0: This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida.
1: With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And hey, Bulls Nation, how we doing? On a Monday, if you were at Raymond James Stadium for the kickoff on Saturday, great job hanging through that long weather delay. And Of course, it did not start well (laughs) once the play began. We're not going to give you a ton of highlights here. We'll give you some key moments and a little bit of Jeff Scott from postgame. It is not just the football recap on a Monday. There's a lot to go over this weekend, and in this segment, we are going to highlight volleyball because what the team of Jolene Shepherdson did this weekend was fantastic and definitely deserves headline billing. We'll also, in our second segment, give you plenty of highlights from yesterday's win for women's soccer, ending a three-match losing streak. You'll also hear from Denise Shilty Brown and goal scorer Georgia Brown from after the game. Men's soccer cross country also in action this weekend. It's a Monday, so we'll do our full separate conference show about 15 minutes worth later in the day called Around the American. We have a bunch of football games to recap along with the full weekend in soccer and volleyball as well. Starting off with what happened at Raymond James Stadium and it was a tremendous crowd. A lot of people there from BYU and they had plenty to cheer about right from the beginning. We were all ready to get to kickoff. Did not really see any bad weather on the horizon but there was definitely lightning in an eight mile radius and two and a half hours later we were ready to go. And the Cougars were really ready to go. They had a 21-0 lead before the midway point of the first quarter. Puka Nakua, as you know, on an end around 75 yards, he's a receiver. Just needed one good block. The Bulls were geeked up, ready to stop something up the middle, and they couldn't. Then, listen, the Bulls could have played their best and still lost this game. I want to stress that, and I know people are mad and upset with the result, some people are calling for coaches to get fired already. You know, if that's the case, then every team that lost by 30 should fire their coach. I mean, this is a really good team the Bulls play. Might end up being the best on their schedule. Their quarterback, Jaron Hall, is going to be an NFL draft pick. He made great decisions. He made the Bulls defense look, in my opinion, worse than it really is. In other words, things are not going to start off 28 nothing every game. Now, if they do, guess what? The people that... Want jobs to be had, we'll get their wish. I just don't see it that way. But unfortunately, that's the way it went down on this Saturday night at Raymond James Stadium. I'll also say if this sequence goes in the Bulls' favor, then we're talking about a different sort of game. Again, the Bulls would have had to play great. Even if they'd played their best, they still could have lost this one. That's how good I think anyway BYU is. Unbelievable offensive line pressure defense, solid defensive backs, great linebackers, and very confident in their offensive line. On the second drive, Dwayne Boyle stuffs their Christopher Brooks on third and one, and from their own 43, the Cougars go for it, and Brooks gets the ball for a seven-yard run. Then the sequence, listen, if this goes the Bulls' way, obviously it doesn't win the game, but check out these two plays back-to-back. They kind of set the tone for that instant 21-0 lead, which would stretch to 38-0.
2: Antonio Greer not on the field for the Bulls. Here's a swing pass to the right, too high for Brooks. Bulls scoop it up. Amaris Brown has it. If this is a live ball, this is a South Florida touchdown. He'll run it all the way in, and there's no whistles. That may be six for the Bulls. It went through the hands of the running back, Brooks. And the question will be, was he behind the line or not? On the field, the play is touchdown, South Florida. Here comes the official call. Still more discussion.
0: After further review, the pass was incomplete. It was forward. It'll be third down from the 29-yard line for BYU. So the Bulls'
2: touchdown comes off the board, and it will be third down and 11 for BYU. BYU 46% last year on third downs. That's a good mark, and as we mentioned, their fourth down mark was outstanding. Handoff, They run it up the middle, and they've got the first down.
1: Third and 11 from the Bulls, 29. You got to hold them to a field goal there, a field goal attempt, and they couldn't do it. Bulls actually called timeout after the next play, another 12-yard run. BYU would score, and then the play after Jimmy Horn Jr. goes for 12 yards on the Bulls own version of an end around Gary Bohannon is intercepted by Max Tooley that pass was one of the many plays that BYU made Jeff Scott spoke about what happened there and the overall play of Bohannon
3: yeah that that interception on that um, you know that was a tough swing ball Uh, he was expecting that guy to get blocked we had an MA um, on on that Um, you know it's tough to evaluate uh, Gary really I just didn't feel like we were in sync offensively. I felt like uh, they stopped the run pretty good up front, and uh, if you can't run the ball, it's very, very difficult to get in a, a throwing contest. They like to drop eight people, and there's a lot of guys back there. Uh, I, I just never felt like, uh, you know, maybe there's one or two drives. But outside of that, we really were not able to get in a rhythm and, um, you know, just uh, really never got settled in, you know, what we were doing and, and confident in. You know, our plan of what we were doing. So, you know, we'll go back and, and evaluate that and look at what we're doing. and, and uh, But, you know, I have confidence in Gary. I've watched him since he's uh, gotten here, and um, I've got confidence he's going to have a really good year for us. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll go back. I'm sure he's got some things he'll, he'll improve on, and, and we got some things that all the other positions as well as our coaching.
1: There was a part of his comments. Sorry for kind of the grainy audio, but we had him live for you on USF Bulls Unlimited on our post-game show. It was great to be able to bring you the full broadcast. We signed on at 2 o'clock and signed off around 10.50 at night. Thank you, Florida weather. Again, I'm not saying that darn you rain for being the only reason the Bulls lost. That would be to discredit BYU, but it was steamy, hot, oppressive as you would have thought it would have been for a 4 o'clock kick when everything got broken down and the weather was not a factor for the game. I'm telling you, and you'll hear it in the second segment, the weather, namely a Sunday noon kickoff, benefited the women's soccer team yesterday and was a, while crediting the Bulls, big reason also that helped them win the game. So, yes, weather can factor greatly, and I saw it yesterday. Unfortunately, we didn't get that chance to see the advantage on Saturday for the Bulls. Saying that while definitely stressing that BYU is a good team and probably would have won even if the game had gone off without a hitch. But the weather had nothing to do with the fact that Gary Bohannon was just a little bit off with his passes, throwing behind receivers on slants, overthrowing guys by quite a bit. We were just hoping that he could finally get some connections going, and finally he did. Unfortunately, it was after BYU was ahead 38 nothing, but the Bulls got it clicking, taken over with about two minutes to go in the first half. Facing a third and medium, a situation that BYU was aces in. The Bulls came up big and would end up getting on the board right before the end of the first half.
2: Third down and six, throws it long. He's got a man. It's Weaver makes the catch, and he's down to the 30 of BYU. Bohannon put that on a dime, hit Weaver in stride. It goes for 50 yards, biggest play of the night for the Bulls. From the 30-yard line, first and 10. He will throw again. Throws it long, it's caught by Weaver and he's gonna be inside the 10 to the nine yard line. That's a pickup of 21. First and goal from the nine. Fourth and goal from inside the one with 18 seconds left in the half. Brown in motion. Hand off Mangum, the dive, the score, touchdown. Jaron Mangum, that's six for the Bulls. He had 15 last year he's got his first one this year
1: and after three straight shutout defeats against FBS opponents anyway I know that the Citadel was the 20 opener but remember the trip to Notre Dame was not so good so Wisconsin Notre Dame and NC State the Bulls get on the board and all if you could tell there the crowd was really still hanging out and hoping for something to cheer for and if they got back into their seats for the start of the second half it kept going
2: here's the kickoff short. End over end, and it's Horn at the 10-yard line. His first opportunity, he bounces off a tackler, gets to the 35, cuts it back to the 40, into BYU territory, Horn in a foot race, and you know what that means. Touchdown, USF! Jimmy Horn! full score to open the second half.
0: Hey, that, that play right there just gave me chills. Jim... The guy ain't nothing but five 5'10", 175 pounds. Did you see how many tackles he broke? That guy is special, and he's so fast, plays so confident. We saw this as a freshman last year, second on the team in receiving yards. This kid has a bright future, and we knew he was the type of guy who can make plays. <laughs> and We got the All-American kick returner, but we also got a guy who's just as good in Jimmy Horn. Hats off to him for coming out and giving this team what they needed.
1: So it's 38-14. The Bulls would make it a 21-9 run, to use basketball terms. And honestly, when Mikhail Lapointe intercepted Jaron Hall, first of all, it was shocking to see him make a mistake. But secondly, you couldn't help but think, man, if the Bulls can put together something else offensively. But that next drive, again, an overshot. That next drive on the third and eight from their own 14. Bohannon was pressured. Had, I thought, a receiver across that he could have tried to at least find. Instead, he got run out of bounds for technically a sack. Bad snap on the punt. Great kickoff by Spencer Schrader after a safety. BYU started at its own 24, so still at 40-14, to 14, it's not quite done yet, but BYU would only face one second down on the next drive, scooting down the field for a touchdown. Four plays, the last being the 52-yard run by Brooks. Bulls would get back on the board. Again, Bohannon finding Xavier Weaver for 27 yards to help set up Brian Batty's 9-yard touchdown run. But that was the end of the scoring for USF BYU. Like I said on Twitter, shout out to their head coach Kalani Sitake for winding down the play clock to one second basically before every snap in the fourth quarter. But when it mattered, they converted on third downs, and when they didn't, they converted on the ensuing fourth down. Basically, a nine for eleven start on that particular category, and these were usually not third and shorts. Now, the fourth downs were both shorts, but while that was happening on one side, the Bulls were just three for 12. Again, you look at the final numbers, BYU 7 of 13, which is good on third downs, but until the very end of the game, they started seven for 11 with two of those failures to convert the third down getting made up for on the ensuing fourth down, which they went for. Bulls only had one sack in this game, and when you give Jaron Hall time to make decisions, not that he needs much. That's not going to help your cause, something that Coach Scott addressed after the game.
3: Really good offensive line. I think that left tackle is supposed to be a first, second round draft pick. Uh, really impressed with their offensive line. we got to find ways uh, to be able to get more pressure. You know, we've, I've seen more pressure in practice, but it's got to show up on the, the game field. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult when you can't affect the quarterback. The quarterback played very well tonight. He had way too much time. And uh, so we'll have to evaluate what we're doing there and, and find ways to get better pressure both sides uh, offensively and defensively I-, I thought we would play better uh, on both sides and from what i've seen in practice i thought we would tackle better uh, we didn't tackle very well tonight and then offensively i thought we were going to be able to run the ball a little bit better we weren't able to do that so probably the biggest surprise is that you know we really uh, couldn't find much success on either side of the ball that was uh, disappointing and, and quite honestly surprising
1: and you're going to hear much more from coach scott we will have his press conference tomorrow live at 11:30 as we will every Tuesday for you on USF Pools Unlimited. Then the first football radio show with Coach Scott is Wednesday. We'll have that on the air for you at 6 o'clock. One of the things we'll definitely ask about is the injury situation. Christian Williams had to leave. Basically couldn't play in the second half because of a hand injury. Antonio Greer was slowed up. Now DJ Gordon I thought was great, along with Dwayne Boyles as your two linebackers. But both sides of the ball, definitely some questions that need to be asked and he will answer them for you plenty this week. Next opponent is Howard University, Saturday night at 7. Howard, a team that fell to Hampton over the weekend, has lost twice to a couple of fellow FCS schools. Now let's get to volleyball. As the season started, the Bulls pushed two defending conference champions-slash-NCAA tournament teams to the max, but lost them both, and so the only way to come back home with a winning record would be to go to 3 and 0 And we told you that Maryland was going to be the tough one, but the schedule changed. First of all, the Bulls didn't get to New York until 3 a.m. on Friday. So instead of having to play a match at 10 a.m., the fine folks at Stony Brook moved that one to basically the end of the tournament on Saturday. So the Bulls just played once on Friday. It was against a Georgetown team that frankly looked like the weakest of the trio and was, in fact, winless coming in and winless going out. And the Bulls handled them appropriately. 15-4 15-4 lead in the first set en route to 25-13, then 25-16, 25-17 to close out the sweep. Both of those were closer at the beginning, each set before the Bulls took off. They hit three eighty-one with Amanda DeWitt and Maria Andrade both getting 10 kills. Tizzy Puyese adding 7. No errors. The Bulls' middles were fantastic on this weekend. And the blowout nature of the match... It was a perfect little setting for Maddie Lyons to make her return to the court for the first time in a year and a half. She tore her ACL in the previous spring and was able to get a kill recorded in that stat book also. Then came the tricky one, Maryland squad that again in the Big Ten, which is so good. Had your two teams in the national championship match last year. So to go below 500 in the Big Ten, you could still be a good team. Maryland was a perfect example. They went 12-0 and outside of that conference last year. And in those 12 wins, only dropped two sets. Well, they had gotten beat by FGCU last weekend. Bulls win the first set, but then Maryland puts it down on them. They go on a 20-5 to run, ending the second and starting the third. The second set, Maryland score was 25-12, closer in the third, 25-20. But just like that, the Bulls completely turn the tables. Remember, they had gone down two sets to one against both South Alabama and Ball State. Well, in this case, they controlled the fourth, 25-15. Bulls had that two, three-point lead thing going up until 15-12. They would score five points in a row, and then from 20-15, Kelsey O'Laughlin served out the set. And those five points in a row became 12 in a row. A 7 nothing lead in the fifth set, a 15-4 win. A big one for the Bulls. Seventeen kills against just four errors from Martha Svitkovich. Again, the freshman Andraj was kind of the leader as far as attempts. Last weekend, Svitkovich in a couple matches, was fourth in the order, but not on this day. The four outside hitters between She, Poyis, DeWitt, and Andraj all got fed between twenty-three and thirty-one times. So a balanced attack for the Bulls. And even though Maryland, which is among the nation's leaders in this category, had 15 blocks to just three for the Bulls, the Bulls actually had 13 more kills for Maryland to just have 39 kills in a five-set match. That is an extremely low number. Then it was just about trying to finish things up against Stony Brook, the host who had gotten swept by Maryland and beat Georgetown in five sets you figured would be a relatively easy win. Stony Brook actually forced the Bulls into a fourth set, and the second set was close. Bulls had to come back to win at 25-23, but they take the four-set victory, 3-0 and are 4-2. We'll talk later in the week about their next set of matches, but against Stony Brook mentioned the middles for the Bulls. Ali Barnhart, seven kills. Just one error, hit 462. Mary Hendricks Walker, five kills in six attempts. So, yeah, the middles for the Bulls were outstanding. Puyese actually led the way with 11 kills with no errors herself. Can't wait to talk to some of the members of the team later on this week. Not going to be at the school today, of course, it being a holiday, but we definitely wanted to do the show for you. Obviously, as you're listening to it, CC Clausen had 18 digs. She is closing in on the school mark for most in that category in her career. Great weekend for volleyball. They head to Texas again for the third weekend of the season. More Bulls beat now. Once again, here's Derek Sharp. Sure hope you were tuned in on Tune In to that first hour of our pregame show on Saturday. And of course, it became a long pregame as we got started after 6.30, but... One thing, hopefully you also noticed on Saturday if you were listening to USF Bulls Unlimited on TuneIn, and if you didn't, I'll go ahead and fill you in on a little secret here. TuneIn hardly has any delay, so it's one of those... if. You know, you're listening in the stadium, you can pop us in your ear. There's about a six or seven second delay on game days, and that's about as quick of a turnaround as you're going to get on any streaming service for play-by-play, so file that away. And the same goes, of course, for all the events that we do, including women's soccer on Sunday afternoon. Before we get there, we'll tell you what happened on Friday evening over in Orlando, the start of the cross-country season. Ben Kales, who, by the way, is one of the co-presidents of the student Athlete Advisory Committee, a great student-athlete. I have a feeling he is going to be a future guest on Bull Speed Ahead with Michael Kelly. Actually, I should rewind back to that. Hopefully, you were able to catch that show that debuted on Friday, but you can still go to our Unlimited Unloaded page and listen back to it. Awesome guest, Corey Moss, who, again, had a lot of questions answered as far as merchandising and that kind of thing but it was the cross-country season and the Bulls men's squad finished in fifth place but Kales was right near the top individually right behind the fourth place runner and only 15 seconds out of first Tyler Wadsworth who is a freshman from Port Charlotte was 17th overall ran the 5k in a 517 average mile split. That's getting it done. And just a couple seconds away from a top 20 finish was Sebastian Edwards, who is a sophomore from Celebration. So the Bulls were fifth out of seven squads. The women were also fifth, but out of nine squads, just beating FGCU by one point. So Bulls got a 19 minutes and 10 seconds performance. Again, this was a 5K. That was their best effort. 14th place, Sydney Granick the sophomore from Lakewood Ranch, about 30 seconds behind her, and in 21st place was Kelly Lynch. The men's race was won decidedly by the Florida Gators, and they also edged UCF for first place in the women's portion of the proceedings. The next trip for the Bulls will be in two weekends to Florence, Alabama, Two weekends after that, Bethlehem, PA. The Bulls will host their own race on Friday, October the 14th, and then two more weeks before the conference meet. Again, the cross-country season is not going to be, you know, like 10 or 12 quote-unquote games. You can't be running races every few days, so that's kind of how that maps out. Let me give you a map for this week in soccer. We had a game on Sunday afternoon in the scorching sun, which, as I hinted at, favored the women's team. They'll be back at it on Thursday night against a Miami team that's looking very strong. Before that, try the team that finished second to Clemson last year in the NCAA, the Washington Huskies, come to Corbett. And I would advise that the Bulls are probably going to have to get on the board offensively for the first time this year to have a chance to beat. Well, I guess every team you have to score to beat, but they're going to have to get their offense going. Unfortunately, it did not get going on Friday night. The Bulls have played three matches, I'm talking about the men's soccer team now, and have not scored yet. Opened up the season with that 0-0 tie against FGCU, and two tough road opponents, and really to lose to North Carolina and Marquette, no shame, won nothing in either case. North Carolina, by the way, got beat by FIU, which is a, what's well, looking like the American is going to be very strong in men's soccer. We'll do more later on Monday with around the, the American, when it comes to the whole conference, but the point is, the Bulls are playing some tough opponents, but have not scored yet. Now, on the Good side, they have not given up a goal unless it was a penalty kick. No one has scored during a regular buildup against the Bulls, and if you go back to the preseason, it's the same way. The Bulls beat Tampa and St. Leo, which, by the way, St. Leo is 4-0, one nothing, and then they rolled Eckerd 10-1. to Well, that one goal was an Eckerd penalty kick. North Carolina's goal was a penalty kick, and Marquette's goal was a penalty kick on Friday night. Bulls played the typical tight defensive game. We'll talk to Bob Uthorn today, and you'll have some of that audio on tomorrow's show. The Washington Huskies are 3-0. They put up at least a few goals in every game, and that's going to be a dynamite display for the opponent and see if the Bulls can give them a battle. We'll be on the air on Tuesday night, and we'll preview it for you on tomorrow's show. By the way, they'll also, this coming up Friday, play a returning NCAA tournament team in Mercer. So four matches in six days at Corbett Soccer Stadium between the men and the women, and we've got them all live for you right here on on USF Bulls Unlimited. So if you're tuned in Sunday, you got to hear that. And I said that, you know, the football team didn't get to enjoy the heat. I'm telling you, UTSA, which came to town 4-0-1, they have jumped on three teams with a goal in the third minute. They weren't jumping on anything in the first half. They had just played on Friday and their coach, Derek Pittman, is a smart guy. He basically had his ladies sit back. They were not chasing the Bulls around for the first half. And that led to a predictably low-chance situation. The Bulls dominated possession, but really did not get much on goal. In fact, zero shots on goal. That has been the problem for the Bulls. Last Thursday, they lost that game in Gainesville. Incidentally, the Gators turned around yesterday. How good is FSU? Record crowd in Gainesville for women's soccer, more than 1,200 fans. But FSU beat them 5 to nothing. The point is, Gators can be scored upon, and the Bulls just couldn't get enough shots on on frame. They had 17 shots, just four on goal in that loss. And again, fast forward to Sunday, six shots in the first half, none on goal. Well, here comes the second half, and here come the Roadrunners. Uh, essentially, you could just tell their strategy was to keep it 0 0 and then try and score if they could early in the second half and then go back to playing defense. So they got that long halftime break, expended some energy chasing down the Bulls' defenders, but the Bulls were able to withstand that pressure and started to gain better advancing on the attack. Kendall Lincoln was outstanding in this game on the right side. I thought Mark Markvardson played a sensational game at left back for the Bulls, the freshman, but she was moving up and down the pitch. Vivian Bissett was leading the defense. It was a solid effort, but you were just having... Near miss after near miss. And again, the theme being shots not getting on frame. Thurton gets the throw, tries to drop it back to limeary Bad touch, but gets it right back near the corner to Oh, good sweeping pass. Great touch. Here's a chance for the balls. Limeary lines it up and just whiffs the shot. The touch was magnificent in a tight space. It sent Laimere in UGSA, alone, number 15, and Alyssa she can't Stewart. get the shot on frame and she missed it by 10 yards. It's happened to all of us in golf. Just imagine a pure slice, and that's what LaMaria just did with her left foot. Now off to Leah, good touch into the box, but now she's covered by two Roadrunners off to the right set, right foot. Now curls it back onto her left, feeds Mark and Time for a good delivery here. Not a bad one, Thurton's there, and nudges it just wide with the head. The goal was empty, Schneider came out, and that was a great chance. Roberts has it. Bulls. Boy, UTSA is tired. Lincoln might take a burst here and try to get around date. She does. That's a good ball. Roots possibly there, and Mark Vardson squares it for a volley, but wide. Cena. Mark Vardson played it right onto that left foot. What a ball, and what a move by Lincoln. There are five minutes and fifty-five seconds left and utsa is in hold on for dear life mode and try and stall mode they were taking their time with goal kicks and throw-ins the official did a nice job of stopping the clock recognizing this now the bulls had lost three in a row all three of those games were tied with 15 minutes or less to go and the bulls gave up late goals utsa was 4-0 and one and scored a late goal to beat kansas state for its first win over a power five opponent so recent events were favoring the other team but Unfortunately, that's not how it played out. 313, Bissett's going to play it in from near midfield. She's got a cannon of a leg, and that is a good long ball. Brown maybe on the end of it, and it's headed in! Georgia Brown, how sweet! And the Bulls take the lead. Schneider came out to play it. Net was vacated. Georgia Brown does not miss the target. Second shot on goal all day, and there was no one in the goal. Let's go. Obviously, we've talked about this with you in the past, George, as far as using your head, but let me just ask you about specifically. Did you know that the target was vacated, and was it a pretty simple goal in the end?
4: Yeah, I actually heard the keeper coming out and calling for it, so I knew if I got there first, she was not in her goal, and all I had to do was really direct it in, and I mean, I was in front of the goal, so that was a pretty simple task in the end.
1: (laughs) You had seven last year. Do you remember roughly how many were off your head? Oh
4: uh, yeah, I think it's actually five.
1: Okay, so, like, I, there was a running joke that I only scored with my head. <laughs> yeah, they'll take it. That to you, Denise, you you'll know, take it. Right?
4: Two right? goals. Yeah. Yeah. This season, yeah. But with our head. <laughs> but you are. We're just a, saving the ones for the You are a centre back. I would, yeah.
1: I would expect they would be. You know. I, I was so I was following the, ball, the path of the ball and saw it was gonna. Did you even look or did you know?
4: You your uh, back to the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, I did have yeah. my back.
1: It was just a flick
4: on, but, I mean, I kind of knew where the goal was, and as soon as I turned around, it was already in the back of the net,
1: so. And yeah. did you last thing about the goal, which is a big topic and I love it, uh, <laughs> did, did you know, was that... The, the clear that Vivian was going to serve it in the whole time. Or was there e- even a second thought about how that That's was going to unfold? English army, right?
4: Yeah. <laughs> of course, we have our English army in the in the box, and <laughs> we're making the most of it. Yeah.
1: All right, tell us about the English army. I guess Lucy's
4: part uh, of that. Too. Yeah, there's just you know you have we have good good strong players. We have the uh, American army and the English army and the Spanish and the army. Spanish army. <laughs> the Spanish army is a little deficit in size. They're still good though. The German army um, made a feature as well. Oh, they did. Yeah. <laughs> so you um, don't know which one you're getting. <laughs>
1: was it based on how things are going difficult to keep it together and keep doing what you guys normally do because
4: yeah I think press. I think from the coaching staff alongside with the players it was hard to hold your emotion because um, desperation was starting to sink in <laughs> you know you saw that a couple late long balls that were wasteful um but understandable. You're just, you know, you're you're looking for that moment to, to break through and, and score the goal. Um, I'm, I'm glad it came. I feel like that can calm us down a little bit and continue to build.
0: How big is it just from a confidence standpoint going forward? You, you get back in the win column and in a way that's really energizing, it's exciting at the end, now going into the, this next match against Miami.
4: Yeah, I think it's huge because we felt like, as a staff and a team, that the Florida game was a huge step forward for us. The, the two yeah. previous games... We were very off in in many many aspects of the game and a lot of that I can attribute to just a lot of new players and key spots and um, and the transition from national teams to here it's not easy um, putting it all together as quick as as soccer is expected to put it together and I don't think that our model of play in particular is easy to adapt to as quick as some you know what I mean if our model of play was kick it as far as you can I mean that's not so hard to adjust to right right Right. so um, so then we went into the Florida game very confident with the adjustments and um, and and how we had to kind of stretch ourselves and improve and I felt like we we did really well in that game um, in terms of how we played and how we wanted to play of course not the result we wanted so this game to build on that I thought it was critical that we got the win
0: Was one of those adjustments for you just trying to generate a higher volume of shots overall? Because it seems like over the last two matches, you guys, that has been the one noticeable difference. is a lot more shots from distance, a lot more trying to push that offensive tempo.
4: I I don't think so. It's more can we maintain possession on their side of the pitch? Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, you'll create more opportunities and win balls back and get opportunities. But we played our first two games on our side of the pitch. I mean, we dominated possession, which is great, but we weren't on their side of the field. So... Um, I'm really excited about this group I think we're tremendous so many great new additions you know you know in particular um, Georgia and Sina on that you know on that left-hand side it's a really shored yeah. us up so i'm really excited about the group yeah.
0: last one for me it seemed like this this back line this defense really held their own today they got challenged a few times and there were some moments where maybe a pass was left a little short but they were able to recover it. and you know it's a bend but not break with them in this match today and that was kind of the difference for them
4: yeah absolutely um you know we asked them to take a lot of risk they they are often in 1v1 situations. They um, have to stop the counterattacks and, yeah. you know, sacrifice their bodies, but they're doing a good job.
1: Of course, those voices, those of Georgia Brown and head coach Denise Shilty Brown. That's going to wrap up Bulls Beat. Thanks for checking it out. I'm Derek Sharp.